This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'll do Curlium. Divrat versus Bango. You've only did three pancakes last week. I've got a big idea for the Christmas do. Want to go to Las Vegas? Man's never going to get on a beanbag. But we are the entertainment. Do you remember what you were having for lunch that day at QPR? Parching everywhere. You know, Stevie G comes back this night. Two nights. <laughs> <lovely>. <laughs> Hello and welcome to that Peter Crouch podcast with me, Peter Crouch, Statman Dave, and Chris Stark. They're both with me. As always, yeah. As always, my weird way to start. <laughs> Sometimes you do have to vary it. And I did there, and it didn't work. It's all good. Uh, Dave, how are you? I'm all right. A little nervous with this, the whole fantasy football thing. Mm. Sort of the threat of what could happen. I'm, I'm a little worried, to be honest. Yeah, you actually came up with a great suggestion for yourself. So, <laughs> um, on this, if Statman Dave finishes outside the top 100,000 on um, fantasy football... Uh, we want a punishment like beyond anything anyone's ever done, uh, a forfeit, we should say, actually. And you you, you consent to this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you yourself suggested, perhaps, you know, in the Game of Thrones, you know, Crouchy, the shame bell. Yeah. And he, he, he walks through the streets naked and people just go and shame. Shame, shame. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think that's a great sort of benchmark. And then obviously thank you for everyone who's suggesting forfeits for Statman Dave. Yeah. I've got a bit of Bango news, actually. Ooh. Bango, how is yeah, it? Yeah, I know everyone likes to keep tabs a little bit because, you know, he was um, uh, he was born in in that sort of weird lockdown time that we had. And, uh, yeah, my little baby. Um, his real name isn't Bango, but we joked about that on the podcast. And then several news outlets actually just called him Bango. Yeah, like my um, little Divrat. Like little Divrat, yeah. He is now, he's just turned two, but he's just started Little Kickers. So he's just started the little football club thing that he does. Would you recommend that for Divrat? Because he's not started that yet. I play football with him, but... Yeah, but then maybe you don't need a football... To be fair, if his dad's Peter Crouch, it's sort of like... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd happily pay for my child to be coached <laughs> by you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think it's nice to sort of like do it with other kids. I don't know. Make, make this what you will. So it comes to the end of the class, right? And they do a... Um, they're all allowed a penalty kick... And obviously he's only two, he doesn't, you know, he's just given it a go and all that. And uh, I was interested to see what happened. So he went up to the ball and every other child before has gone on and kicked it into the goal. First thing he's done is gone and, and picked it up yeah. and thrown it in the goal. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, that's, I, I, I'm really struggling with my little boy at the moment, wanting to, keep, wanting to pick it up, similar mm. thing. Um, but I've told him there's no... No hands. You are, can't, you, are you, you worried can't you've got a goalkeeper? Uh, no. I was going to say, lads, you've both got goalkeepers. Impossible. I think we might, though. It's not happening. It wouldn't happen. But is it, you know, footballers always talk about the difference between the hard work but also the natural ability. Mm. If we are t- seriously talking about footballers being mm. a kind of um, 
you know, a nature versus nurture thing and nature being a massive part of it. Yeah. You know, you were always born to be a footballer. No, but I, I'm totally for this. I think, um, you know, you are what you are in life. That is, that is um, a given. You know, like I think... I want my kids to express themselves any way they want to be, you know. It's the modern world, like, that's where we are now. Unless they want to be a goalkeeper. Right. Like, I think you're doing that classic parent <laughs> thing of you're going too far trying to make him outfield. Probably he's, ideally a striker. He's doing that. It's what he wants to do with it. But you can coach them out of that, I think. Well, this is the other thing. I'd love little Bango to be a decent defender. But everything at that age seems to be geared towards goals. So mm. when do the crunching tackles come in? You start celebrating. Like it yeah. should, if you want your child to be a good defender, should that be starting now as well? Because they're scoring goals. Yeah, no, I think, I think definitely an element to that. But I think um, the best thing to do at that age like, is, is be comfortable with the football. Um, you know, I t- I've, we talked about this before. Like My dad got me into Corver and being at one with a football, like constantly have a ball with you. So... You know, you're always going to need your technique, no matter what position you are in a football field. And like having the ball around you and manipulation of the ball and being able to be comfortable with the football is what all that matters at that age, I think. Do you know what's an extra little bonus? Left-footed. What do you mean? 19% of players in the Premier League are left-footed. One in five. So if you two lads adapt the games try and make them left-footed. They're going to have a natural advantage. So I should tell You're Coach Ryan to focus on left foot. I am, yeah. yeah, left foot, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, two things. We should maybe get you to stat the kids. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like, put, whack the little vest things on yeah. them and get, get some numbers that, involved. Like. Tears though, Chris. And like, like you said, we should talk about fun. You know, <laughs> Please, can a, we sit? Stat man Dave <laughs> down with a bunch of three-year-olds and four-year-olds and just do a whole session just on stat. Bring the bring the stats in earlier. Mm, get them in earlier. Yeah, get them in earlier. I, I think there'd be a lot of bored kids, but later on in their lives, it would click. Do you think? Yeah, I think we. I think. But would it be too to... late? Would you turn them off football? No, I think they 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 not really listen to what I'm saying, but it would go in. I guess the other thing is um, Divrat versus Bango. We should definitely have a kick around at some point, but via our kids, mm. just see what happens. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Any, any forfeits on the loser here? Well, that's what I'm saying because Crouchy's competitive. Not, not pressure right. on two and three year olds, isn't there? There. Yeah, imagine he imagine two on two. Crouchy lost to me and Bango, <laughs> like in his back garden. But Chris, you do have <laughs> the, the secret weapon back in his own back garden. Yeah. Me and my son beat Crouchy in his own back two garden. Two his son. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> Has little Bango got a pair of shin pads yet? Oh, he's got, oh here we go. Chris, if um, Bango got two-footed by Peter Crouch... <laughs> I don't think you can get shin pads for two-year-olds. Yeah, have you looked into it? I should definitely start a range. The Bango range. Yeah, yeah, baby Bangos. Yeah, good. What are we doing today? So, Chris, today we are going to take a look inside the manager's office at the football club. We've never been there, but Crouchy's been there a few times. It's so hard to go into a manager's office. Like, I remember like, you know, my dad might say something like, you need to speak to the manager, like he's treating like shit or the, your agent will go like, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's better coming from you or, and you think to yourself, I've got to go and see him. Like, I've got to. And that feeling is like, depends who the manager is, but you don't often go in a manager's office. And if you go in that little knock, oh God, like I, you, I'll be in the, uh, breakfast or whatever and I think I'll oh, just get it out in the, in the morning just get it done 
you know, and loads of times I've had to do this, you know, like telling, telling a manager you have to leave, for instance, you leave a club, you want to leave. Or telling a manager, why are you playing this fella in front of me? You know, or telling a manager, like, do you want to, to keep me? Do I have to leave to, to play? Or, you know, you might want a day off on a Thursday. Just <laughs> you know, anything. Like, there's so many factors and you think, I've got to go in and see him. And that, that, those butterflies in your stomach before you go in, it's, it's, it's big, big Mate, deal. there's going to be so much to talk about, isn't there? Even down to, like, decoration. I was going to say, the, the knock. Just go even going in. Is Crouch using a different knock for a day off to being transfer listed? Oh, I love this. I think there's going to be quite a lot to talk about. I, I just love that through you, Crouchy, you can sort of take me, Dave everyone listening to this in like into the office because it's an area of football that we never see mm. obviously and i want to i want to understand all the feelings around it and everything and it's actually something that i have never thought about since i retired and then now you you've mentioned it i am going inside the manager's office so much in my head yeah. and I, and then I'm, i've now remembered how anxious i was doing that uh <laughs> And some of the things that come out of it have been quite funny. <laughs> some of the horrible moments. <laughs> Great. Well, that's, that's what we're about to do. Before we venture into the manager's office, though, we should discuss some of the ideas we've been working on uh, for Crouchfest. And I'm particularly enjoying everyone feeding into this process. So people have been getting in touch through the website. Website name again is... ThatPeterCrouchPodcast.com People can go on there and submit ideas... Uh, obviously questions for the podcast, that kind of thing. But there's been so many good ideas, some terrible ideas as well, um, but all ideas for Crouch Fest, which is coming up at Wembley Arena at the end of this series. Like this message from Ben from Northampton. After the debate about Glenn Johnson versus Scott Mills, I'd like to see a live Mr. and Mrs. style game. Chris and Scott versus Crouchy and Glenn to test out whose friendship is genuine and prove whether Glenn hates or loves Crouchy. A bad forfeit for the loser is needed. Quite a good idea, actually. Glenn's got in touch with me this week, you know. Has he actually? Yeah, he's reached, he, re- <laughs> he reached out and said, someone's just shown me something, saying something that I don't like you or something. And um, it's quite embarrassing, really. I had to sort of say, uh, do you? <laughs> It was all a bit awkward, really, yeah. yeah. I'm confident he does. You reckon? I think so. But will he be there at Crouch Fest? Well, this is something that we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You see, I don't... I Scott don't Mills won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I definitely, I definitely know. Yeah. Well, okay. We won't, really. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> what a weird big dick competition we're having here. <laughs> Whose mate likes them more? Whose mate likes them more? Live at Wembley Arena. Lads, I've always wanted to be the, the, the sort of a game show host. So right. if I can do the be the game host for yeah. that, it'll be fantastic. I think it all needs thinking through. But yeah, thank you, Ben. It's a good idea. Got a couple of listener messages as well. Got a message from Adam. It says, hello, dragons. As a bartender, I've seen a lot of stag do's and examples of housery that goes on. It got me thinking about a game. So let me introduce you to... Stag Housery. The group will have a simple deck of Stag Housery playing cards at various points throughout the night. Everyone in the group will pull a card from the deck. Whoever pulls the lowest card loses. Ties will result in a redraw between both losers. On each card is written a task or challenge and the loser must do whatever is written on the card. 
Now, what's the motivating factor to complete the challenge? I hear Chris Stark asking already. Exactly. The answer is the worst forfeit of all. You will be eggy boffed until the challenge is completed. Upon completion, you are freed from the eggy boff until the next round. Failure to complete the challenge, you remain eggy B until you arrive at the next bar. Wow, this is quite the message. So, underneath this, there's a list of proposed forfeits subject to Crouch's amendments, additions, and approval. We'll obviously, we'll whack these up on the website, okay? So you can go and have a look at these in full. There's loads. Mm. Well, should we, should we go through just a couple of them? Because there's, so, there's a lot of rules. I, I like this one. It says, uh, you are parched. Get a stranger to order you two pints of water and drink them both in under one minute. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Quite sensible as well, yeah, it feels. I like that. Um, he says here, pass the pod by getting one stranger in the bar to subscribe to that Peter Crouch podcast. One subscriber in the bar. Nice. Very, very good. I quite like the Roy Keane challenge. Convince the bouncer doorman to take a selfie with you. No smiling <laughs> allowed. Good. Tag hashtag Roy Keane in your photo. That's really good. Interesting, That's yeah. really good because it's kind of an unwilling photo. No bouncer wants to be in a photo, mm. generally speaking. <laughs> what about the Mike Dean slaughter a chicken challenge? <laughs> and this is a find a nearby chicken shop sneak a chicken sandwich into the bar and eat it. So any kind of chicken in the pub or bar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I also like the David Howes challenge. You must remain shoeless until you leave the next <laughs> bar. <laughs> that is good. It's simple. Yeah, the reason I like this, Chris, uh, you remember I used to clean David Howes' boots. Um, I don't know, it's like slight recap here, but Janola and David Howes, I was on both their boots and I came in one morning and I don't know if I was being shit housed by one of the lads or what, but his, his boots were gone, <laughs> absolutely gone. And I looked out the window and um, the first team were warming up and he was in his trainers. Um, <laughs> I always remember, I always remember the boots. Like, and I don't know where they went to this day. He was fuming. <laughs> Stag housery is a good idea, that isn't it? We'll write it down on the sort of ideas thing. You never know. Might not be this Christmas we get around to that. Probably uh, it's a fun day out. You know they'll be doing it. Mm. We have had Lauren get in touch with us now. Do you remember this? In the last series, we mentioned Lauren was climbing Kilimanjaro and planned to pass the pod at the very top. She's now sent in a video of her doing the robot and holding a pod poster at the top, which we're going to share Kilimanjaro. on the socials. It's amazing. This wow. Massive passing of the pod from you, Lauren. Dave, head of stats, can you confirm this probably is the highest pod pass of all time? It is, yeah. We, we confirmed it. We looked at the distances, the, the heights and, and where she was. And yeah, we confirmed that it was the highest passing of the pod of all time. That goes down in the record book. We had a weather balloon in space, didn't we? But that I wasn't was, a natural yeah, human, though, I was, was going to say we were in space. Yeah, but once. wasn't it like a human in space? Please? It wasn't a human. But Lauren, well done. What do you think of that? No, that's fantastic. Great passing of the pod. Well done, Lauren. Right, Crouchy, let's get into it. Which manager had the most luxurious office? Do you know what? This, I think this was a case of time more than anything. Um, like, you know, the training grounds were just getting better and better as it got later and later. And you wouldn't class like Stoke and Burnley to have the best strength, but it, the training grounds were amazing by then. When I first started out, I remember Graham, Graham Ricks at Portsmouth, you know, we, we were getting changed in port cabins, basically. We were using the Navy base. Um, HMS Collingwood that's where we were training but then later on obviously the new training grounds get built and like yeah the Stoke one was was lovely uh, and the Burnley training grounds fantastic it's like really quite modern okay if we're starting with sort of luxurious management offices which office are we going to first I want to I want to have a good look round do you know what I've been in the Elgin Klopp's office 
and that that was a good office, like nice balcony overlooking training. Okay, um, but is there what's what's around the office? So is there is it like shirts or is it is it quite minimalist? No, or? no, it's very basic. You can see they've had absolutely nothing to do with the decoration. It's, <laughs> like, it's not as if there's family pictures there. It's not like an office like how you were imagining it. It's literally just like generic football pictures on the wall um and the the biggest thing is what you always try and get a look at when you go into the manager's office is the um tactics board and you'll have like mm. names on the board and you'll see it with these amazon documentaries that you go inside and, and, and these names are like it's like number one choice or like if you go in on a friday and you know you've been sent into the manager's office on a friday for instance and you get a look at the team for the saturday and you can obviously try and relay that back to the lads and like, you're fucked tomorrow. Oh, so it's like, it's like you're a spy. It's like you're well, in there gathering in there. intel. Gathering as much intel as you could possibly get. Yeah. You literally see the team and the subs on the side, um, you know, which is for him, he's, him and his coaches have been discussing. Um, but off, quite often on a Friday, if you get pulled in, it was like the curly finger, he's called the curly finger. And if you're there, and like the coaches and the manager would be there. And you say you've played the last five games, if you get the curly, you know full well, you're probably getting... Give quite... us one example. Who gave you the curly finger? Well, we used to have this thing like, Eddie Nizwicki's got a... Um, he's been a goalkeeper for a long time. So he's got... His fingers are broken a lot. So instead of the curly fingers, it ended up being the curly knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> proud of it. It was quite funny though at the time. And if you got a curly luck on a Friday, you knew you were out. <laughs> <laughs> Grouch, how does that conversation go? So the knuckles come. If you're sitting with your back to play and you're having a bit of lunch or whatever and someone's come in and gone, Grouchy, uh, and you got the curly knuckle, you might as well not even go in there. You know full well that you're not playing on t- tomorrow. You might as well go, oh, for fuck's sake, and just go home. <laughs> Well, I just write on the board, but it's common courtesy to for a manager to say, "Look, you've done great for me, but I'm just going with the other option tomorrow." <laughs> uh, and those conversations are difficult, but like I think, like you know, Eddie was a top, such a top man and a great coach, and he was a bit of a full guy there, really, because the manager sent him out sort of into the lion's den to to get a player. To, to let down um, but he did you know and I, I think that was the that was the way to do it because obviously you know Rafa for instance or some managers would would just p- pin up the team on the board and you'd be like what so you wouldn't get Not called it, you wouldn't get called in with Rafa, that that was a change. When I think you it's went a bit there, old right? school. That like I think the right way is to tell you know if you're not playing tomorrow and Dave's taking your place, right? Um, You've played the last five games, and I go look, uh, Chris. I need to see my office. You'd come in the office, and I'd go look, Chris. Um, I'm going to go with Dave tomorrow um, and then explain my reasons. You know, like, you've only did three pancakes last week. Uh, Dave's been training really well and I think he deserves his chance. That's not to say that you won't play next week, but I just feel for this specific game, I'm going to go with Dave. Did any managers sort of like Fergie you in a sense of Ferguson had like a meticulous plan of John O'Shea would work against Arsenal, Mm. this player would work here, that player would work there. Did anyone sort of approach it that way in a sense of saying... Crouchy, we need you for next week. Yeah, that's, the, I mean, the best example of this, I think, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but Joe Cole telling me about Mourinho, you know, when he was, he was fuming, obviously banged the door down, got in, he said, like, do I need to leave or what? And he said, he went in being angry that he wasn't playing and he came out having been dropped for another two games, just walking on cloud nine. And that yeah. is what management is. It's keeping players happy and keeping people engaged. But the thing is, manager doesn't have these conversations on the training ground, right? 
generally speaking, they are in the office where you can be one-on-one. Yeah. You can't prove what was said in front of everyone else. So you, you can bullshit a bit more. Yeah, but I think I think there is a lot of probably bullshit that you have to say as a manager. Like, you know, I might hate you as a, a left-back, for instance. I might go, he's fucking useless. But we need him for this year because we can't get anyone else in. We've got no financial budget to buy players or the window's closed. So... I might look at you and go, you're crap, but I need you for this year. So this is why I worry about you getting into management, you know, because let's say you do this, right? Let's say you got into management and you've got to learn these quite subtle techniques of dealing with people. I mean, I feel totally demoralised right now. I'm a decent left-back. That's why I wouldn't say that to you, would I? I wouldn't say it to you, that's what I'm saying. Let's say I know you don't really like me, but I've come in... No, but you wouldn't know that. But I do. But why I, would you? Because I've picked up on a few things. Right? <laughs> I've heard Fabrizio's <laughs> tweeting that they're You've interested in another left-back. They've got no one in the window. Right. I'm coming into the office. You heard there's rumours about yeah. And I, I'm like, I, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm the best left-back this club has. Um, At this moment. I right. want to know what, what my future is here. Otherwise, I'm potentially going to go. Chris, you are by far the best left-back we have at this football club. Mm. Um, we weren't looking at left-backs in the window because I had, my full trust was in you. I know you had a, you didn't play great on the weekend, but that is by the by because we know you're far better than that. You've been training well. You're a good influence in the dressing room. Yeah. And we believe that we can get Champions League this year with you at, you at left-back. I saw a tweet from Fabrizio saying that the manager is looking for left-backs because uh, they're not good enough for I the club. I do believe Romano. He did a couple of, he had a couple of sales over the line. Just so I have got nothing to worry about. I'm here for the duration of my three-year contract. You have absolutely nothing to worry about. And we'll look at renewed terms in the summer. Of course we'll speak in the summer. Yeah, you see, I don't... <laughs> I'm reassured. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. But you shouldn't be, because my whole, my whole mindset there was he's crap and we'll get a new one in the summer. <laughs> It's funny in the office, isn't it? No, but like, managers, managers have to bullshit, definitely. Like, you know, regardless, if, if I said to you, and we had no other left back, that I don't rate you, I'm sorry, mate, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't rate you, and we will try and strengthen in, in your position in the summer and potentially sell you, you're just going to down tools and be a, be not yeah, good around honest. the place. or It's honest, but it's not going to help anyone's situation. You're not going to play well. Um our, our team's not going to going to win football matches. You're going to make mistakes. You get, you're going to, you know, perhaps talk in a change room. Um, it doesn't benefit anyone. That's how football. It's keeping that is. respect as a manager. That seems to be the toughest thing. Crouchy. So you've spoken to Chris, right? And you've basically sold him the dream. I come into the office and say, Crouchy, I play left back as well. I've got a big idea for the Christmas do. Want to go to Las Vegas? How are you dealing with that? You'd be fine two weeks' wages for even bringing it up. <laughs> Las Vegas for the Christmas do. We've got like the busiest period coming up here. Um, it doesn't make any sense to go have a night out in that period, um, which is totally against everything that I believe in. Really. <laughs> Look, you know, I was a bit far fetched there. Does team captain go into the manager's office to best represent the Christmas? Yeah, day? I mean that's the worst part of being a team captain. I think. I think. Isn't that a mad bit of the role that like mm, it's, it's a shit role? Considering that. it's all really about motivating the team. I don't get picture. it. I, I I don't get being a captain. I'm not, like, it's never really appealed to me. For me, the visions of like Stevie G walking into the manager's office to go and <laughs> negotiate the Christmas party. <laughs> it's like, it happens. It's mad. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> like. 
It does. I can't even imagine what that would be. Like, yeah, we're gonna do That's this, and then they come back and report it one night in <laughs> Dublin. <laughs> Is that how it actually is? That's exactly right, yeah. You go in, well, obviously, like, and, then, and everyone's like that, like little little cats waiting for, for, for the, for the mum to come back. Literally going, are, they, are we in? And like, it's a huge deal. I mean, of Christmas party, it, it, and like, you know. Stevie G comes back this month, two nights, <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. In terms of the manager's office, when when's the time that you've gone in and you felt intimidated? And do they ever have that setup where it'd be like they'd have a desk where they go, "Come sit over here," yeah, and they'd yeah. have a little sofa. Oh yeah, regularly. And it becomes a bit Lorraine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember my last one with Mark Hughes was on the on the couch there, but I, I, I was a bit more sort of like I, I had more respect then. You know what I mean? Like I played for England, and I think I was more of a sofa kind of. It was like come and sit on a sofa and like. Talk as almost not equals, do you know what I mean? But like, let's, you know, you've earned the sofa. Yeah. You know, let's converse. So it could be in front of the desk. Or yeah, but I think it's in front of the desk. Like, like when you, I don't know if you watch them sit down. You know, Mourinho and Deli Ali on yeah. the Amazon one, that was very much, I'm going to tell you what I think. Mm. Whereas, you know, I think it, it can turn into the sofa. Do you want to be on the sofa? I think the sofa would be more sort of like, let's, I, I'm interested to hear your opinion. You know but I mean? is sofa not a dumping that's like, come sit down, like, a break up on the sofa? It's no, like, no, no, no. It's I not long till we'll have fire pits like Love Island. Let's go to the fire pit well, crowd. The way the, the, way the game's going, it's like, you know, everything's getting filmed, isn't it? It's like, you know, can I have a word? <laughs> I'll pull you for a chat. I'll pull you for a chat. But I think, um, is, is there an example or is there a time that you've ever felt sort of intimidated in that situation? Or For instance, like the QPR one, you know, like I know that a bid had come in for me. The club was in administration, like we were about to get relegated. I'd done really well to stay in the championship. Um, and like going to see Jerry, like it all comes about. Like I speak to my agent and my, my dad and they're both like, you need to go and see him. And it's one of those moments where you sort of become a man, you know. I was I was nineteen years old, but I've got to go and see an experienced football man. In so how do you, how do you go about office. doing that then? Do you have to well, give him a curly myself. finger? I, mean, I, shit, I literally shit myself. Yes, yeah, a curly finger from like a nineteen-year-old to a and and like yeah. quite often they might go like, I've got stuff to do, or come and see me tomorrow, mm. or they'll make they'll quite often let you know that they're the boss but then they suddenly realise from the tone or like what you're saying it's like it needs to be now the fact that I need to see him it's like I need to see you boss you know it'd be like mm. Gaffer I need to have a word I need to come see me after lunch but like, that lunch is horrible you know you're not I'm a 19 year old kid and I'm going to see Jerry Francis or you know for whatever it was um, Rafa Benitez or whoever I need to speak to it's not and I think it comes easier when you become more of a senior player but as a young player 
you don't want the last place you want to be is the manager's office ever. So you've gone out a word in his ear. He's delayed you to after lunch. Lunch is horrible. horrible, horrible. That's quite clever from him that he hasn't just reacted in that that second. Well, he's probably planning. He's what planning. He's, he's gonna. He's gonna say. Um, it is that calculated though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You without, see it in these documentaries. Yeah, like, without a doubt, yeah. You have to give yourself time to think yeah. about what you're going to, you know, you think about multiple situations. Is Crouch going to go, want more money? Do I want to leave? Does he want to not do training this afternoon? There's, mm. You've got to kind of strategize. And I suppose that's where managers in this environment are probably quite good. They're like, mm. they back your back, they make you think. Like, imagine, you, do you remember what you were having for lunch that day at QPR? I had a big bowl of pasta, right? But like loads of it and ate none of it. And um, we were paying for our own food at that time, um, like five or a day, I think it was. They just had so many cuts and they needed the money. And it was it was an easy, I think it was above Jerry's sort of, mm, you of know, they, they would have, you know, they got, they, they bought me for 60 grand in the summer and sold me for 1.2 million at the end of that season. God, I'll get everyone's lunches there. Uh, well, you know, you know like, it, was a, it went some way to helping the club, you know, come out of the turmoil, really, that was in at that time, QPR. But that was a horrible, horrible thing. See, yeah, see, you've curly-fingered him. Big lunch. And then you're, you've got to be up at the... Do you remember being outside the office? You knock on the door and then, you know, come in. Every situation that I've had to go into the manager's office... I've built up in my head to the point where, and, and I think this is a good advice for anyone who thinks that they are oh, they can't go into the boss's office at work or they can't ask for a pay rise or they can't do this, they can't do that. I think, you know, having been in that situation where I think football managers are probably nastier than a lot of bosses, I would say, um, and just do it. I think like it actually, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Very shake rare. hands, cuddle. At the end yeah, of that, yeah, 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 totally. Do? Yeah, and and like you know, I still speak to Jerry to this day. So we we get on, we get on well. I think just the general like life advice: you build it up, but it's not as bad as it's going to be. But I think it takes you as a pro need to go through that so you can deal with the next situation. Like imagine that QPR one. You know, let's say at Portsmouth, that conversation's easier. Yeah, I mean, the one when I moved from, certainly when I moved from Portsmouth, that was easy because that the club was getting five million and I think I think sort of Harry, I think he was walking me out the door, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a lot of money for him to, because then he, he then rebuilt and bought like, you know, Steve Stone, Sherring and Merson, you know, Todorov. Remember, he got loads of those players in the Championship and got them back up to the Premier League. And that was a lot, a lot of the money that, that they got for me. Was, was Harry's office the best? I, in my mind, it's the best. The thing is with Harry is, like, he can be cutting, really cutting. Like, he was brilliant with me. And I'm, he was such a huge influence on my career. But it's still a difficult place to go if you've got something that he doesn't want to hear. He can rip people to to shreds if he doesn't like you you know about it and I do like that about him but it's still a daunting office to go into but I think if you're a manager you need to make your office a daunting place to go so people don't come in there every day you know if if you've got to drop 10, 15 players every week you know squads are like 25 you know you've got to drop loads of players the assistant manager isn't in the same office right the assistant what is the assistant is it like the assistant's actually the assistant to the manager rather than like a PA an actual assistant (laughs) no but what I'm saying is like there's no assistant manager's office is there 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, you'll have the manager's office, and, and next to it, or adjoining, would be the coach's office. There's... But with these conversations, you'd never go to the assistant manager first. Yeah, you could do. If you have a good relationship with the with the assistant, you'd say, like, um, I'm thinking about pulling the manager, what do you think? Must get emotional when you have to say goodbye to the manager for the final time. You're in their office. My first, my last ever discussion in the manager's office was was with Sean Dyche at Burnley, and um, we were just about to play Arsenal in what I knew in the back of my mind was my last ever game as a professional footballer. And um, he sort of knew it as well. And he sort of said, you know, do you want to talk about a new contract and um, or do you want to do something else? And he knew that I wanted to retire, I think. And I said, I didn't as much say it. I just said, look, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll take the summer to decide, which is what I, what I always plan to do. The only people that knew on that day that I retired was was my family really. I said, look, I think I'm gonna, I think that's me. So I took all the kids on the pitch and got a great photo of us all on the pitch after. Um, and then I had a summer, and then I, I, you know, it was just sort of it sort of came to its natural end really. And then I spoke to Sean Dyche on the phone and said, yeah, I'm gonna retire. I want you to be the first to know because he was the he was the manager at the time. But that, those discussions were great. But that last time in the office, you're, you're talking about a, a period of time where he probably instinctively knew what you were doing, but allowing mm. you to do it without saying Without it. having any influence on so it So in, in the manager's office at that point, what was it, what was it like? Did it, was it both of you it's pretending a little bit? No, it was quite emotional not... because he knew and I knew, but we didn't say it. Yeah. And it was like a hug, do you know what I mean? At the end, and it was like... Which is not what ever happens no, in a manager's office. No, of course not, office, you know, so... Dan would never do that, but yeah. Did we... he... That's weird. I've, I can't imagine Sean Dyche doing a hug. It's like a bear hug. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> what, did he... Did he call you over or did you go no, come no, in? No, like... it was a couch scenario. <laughs> was it a couch? <laughs> Hugging yeah. on a couch is just no, 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 stood up, obviously, yeah. 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 Oh, that, was, yeah. that would have been very strange, yeah. <laughs> couch hug's weird, isn't it? It's it's hard to do that, actually. Yeah, it's especially flooding, if, you're, no? if you're opposite each other, because yeah. you could fall into his lap or something. Yeah. No, that no, would it, be the worst thing of all, wouldn't it? If you ended oh, up yeah, into his head lap. on Sean Dyche's <laughs> lap through, <laughs> through a hug gone wrong. No, it was, that, that, that was something, yeah, like, you know, he was very good around that time um, with me. Isn't that an amazing way to finish your last experience when you think of being much younger and how nervy it would have been with Jerry Francis where you had to go in and say about, you know, you're, you're wanting to move and all that. I've always thought about your career in terms of how you then retired and, and all that, but it's quite an amazing journey that you go from that young lad that had to go into the manager's office and basically talk about, you know, wanting to move your career and do this and difficult discussions to end up where it was and hugging Sean Dice. Like it's it's yeah, it's like, actually quite an amazing mm. even in just the office, if yeah. you think about it, it's an amazing journey from that to the end. It is, yeah. Um coming sort of full circle, not being able to go into a manager's office to then like sort of having the career that I had really and it ending in a manager's office. He was not putting anything in my head. He was just saying like it's your decision, whatever, you've had a great career and you know you've you've you'd be well respected here and but yeah, decided to to end it, and um, it Not was many a good people to get that. I don't think. No, I was lucky. I was so lucky, and like, I'm so l- l- lucky now. But I, 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 my career, everything I did was just a dream, and like to have that was when people say, you know, do you want, do you miss it? I don't miss it because I, I, I had more than anyone could ever imagine.
But obviously, if you are a Premier League club looking for a number nine, you know, we have... Mainly Fulham. Uh, (laughs) We're willing to do month loans. We're looking at Cologne, we're looking at Stuttgart. It ought to be discussed. I'm willing to come back stronger. What about international level when you want to see the manager there? Did you ever do it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to to a few managers, but... um, you know, there's actually more meetings with England because you you don't often see them. They don't see you every day, so they want to ask you questions as well. Um, certainly, if they're going to start you, they want to know you know how you're feeling and what what you know you need and stuff like that. Do you curly but, finger Capello though? Um, I have curlyed him. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of times I did I did curly him. He's not one for for one on ones like Rafa as well. Like he'd say, my office is always open, but it wasn't. <laughs> You know, one of those where like, oh, you can always come in there. And we're like, my office, my door's always open. It's not. The moment you go in there, he's fuming. Yeah. He, he, he didn't he didn't like it. Um, that's some, interesting, some... isn't it? That's the difference between, say, managers that want the office to be used by... I mean, I get the impression they none of them really want players in and out, revolving doors. No. But there would be some where it was completely closed off and some that used it as a bit of a tool to kind of taught the players and, and we see it in mm. some of the all or nothing stuff you know as well yeah no, 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 a manager will call you in I think I think a lot of time if you're calling if you're getting called in by the manager he respects you you're getting totally pied off if you're not asked into the manager's um, office to you know explain where you're going wrong or how you can get back in the team it means he doesn't give a fuck to yeah. be honest um, you know the fact that if you're getting called in and like you could do this you could do that at least he's, you know, he's given you a chance. It's quite because it's all about respect in sport, in a sense, is that you want the manager to respect you and tell you that you're not in the team instead of it being kind of on a board or yeah. this or that. I found that difficult under Rafa. That you know, like, I used to well document the Champions League final, like just turn the board and just not been on it, and like playing most of the Champions League, like p- pretty much every game. And you just say nothing at that point. Well, you must what can just you do? Like, just like I'm not on it, like. Do other guys nudge you, or like do you look for other reactions? Well, it's or... Just, just one of those things. Like, I mean, what you can't you can't change it. I, I, like, you know, the Champions League final is much bigger than one person, isn't it? So it's difficult to kick off as much as I wanted to throw tables around. You know, I'm not that uh, number one. I'm not that type of character anyway. But number two, it's 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 bigger. It's bigger than me. It's about getting a result. But I think there's certain players that you you kind of want to bench in a sense in those games to get a reaction. I just don't think that's you. Yeah, just... Um, the, the other thing was going away with England. Like, I remember going away with England, scoring three goals in two games and coming back and Rafa sort of said to me that um, don't get carried away. You know, I was like, what? He said, don't get... So he put me on the bench for like three games and I'd be like, I just... I, like, I don't get that mentality. Like, I'm not that type of person to get carried away with my own success you know like I wouldn't that would never even cross my mind I was just buzzing and like confident I wonder what he meant by that well I think he was trying to put trying to bring me back down to earth and I was thinking actually like I need to play like I'm flying I'm I'm so confident and I'm ready to score you know like I'm I'm gonna do well I'm just full of confidence it went from that period where I didn't have I struggled like for confidence to then Opposite, like I'd go into games just knowing I was scoring, like for England, for Liverpool. Do you think it was right no, what no, he was doing? No, or? I don't think it was the right decision at all. No, I think you got to know your characters. I think I think there are players that would would get carried away with all, with it all, but that wasn't me. And I think if you know that was the problem. I think Rafa's. I love Rafa. I wouldn't have a bad word to say about him. I love him as a manager. 
um, you know, gave me the opportunity to play for the best club in the world. And, you know, I, I'll always thank him for that. And he's a, he's a great person, but, um, he wasn't very good with people, if you know what I mean. Like, he was an amazing coach and he was really mm. t- tactically aware. And, yeah. and he'd do things that would surprise you and, you know, he was methodical in everything he did. But um, dealing with you on a human level, he wasn't very good. It's interesting, isn't it? And if you watch the All or Nothing yeah, yeah. documentary, I, so when you see Deli Ali in that situation with Mourinho, is it... Is what we're looking at there kind of how you That's could real, relate yeah. to those oh, experiences? Totally, yeah. like, actually, what Mourinho was telling him, I thought, was was great advice. Like, actually, when you look back at that on, in in hindsight, you think could Deli Ali have done have done more? You know, like th- those comments were like, I don't want to see. You know, you are technically very very good. You've hit these levels, um, but you you jump in and out of form, and you you don't sustain that level and obviously the top players that he's worked with say at Chelsea for instance like Drogba, Terry, Lampard they don't peak and trough do you know what I mean they, they, they maintain a level and that is what being at the top is it's, it's in that situation like with Mourinho it should be a sponge right and like I look at it with like Ronaldo at Man United like are those young players going over to him and being like what do you do? Like, how do you do this? Like, how, what do you eat? What have you, like, are they being like sponges? You know, like, I, I would. I, I think any, any player that I've been in that I've respected and looked up to, like, I've tried to emulate or I've taken little bits of what they do and looked at their training routine. I, I don't know if, I don't know if they do in yeah. United. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, I mean? that I, might be my perception of that actually because Ronaldo for me stands more as a signing of as well as being a great player. It, you'd think it's the influence on the other players around and the opportunity to basically learn just like, same way we sit in a pub and I learn a lot. I think the interesting side with that is that Mourinho's dealing with Deli Ali a certain way. It's not worked Deli Ali. Ronaldo may do the same thing, where he is his way or the highway. You have to follow him and so forth. I think Ronaldo and Mourinho are quite similar in a sense. We've kind of changed in a sense, right? Like where old school in bracket managers have fallen out of the game because they're not these Jurgen Klopp, Guardiola motivators, improvers that are going to like make you better, mm. improve you as a. And and it is interesting to think Jose was at the top of the game. He's still at the top of the game, but he has a certain way. And it might not work with everyone. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think I think it's more my case now with managers, uh, Ging people up and telling everyone how good they are, and it's a different way of handling people. That uh, and that's fine. I think people are different now, and people are more sensitive in everyday life, not yeah. just football. Is it time for the beanbag? We've spoken about the sofa. Is it time to get two beanbags in the manager's office and you sit down on the beanbag? I think that's where we are now, Dave. Beanbags sum up where we are in society these days. I mean, I I do think that it's a beanbag world. Mate, I've been been watching a bit of Maidenhead of late, you know, and Devonshire there, (laughs) flat cap. Man's never going to get on a beanbag. No, no. But but, is he ever going to get in the Premier League? You know, (laughs) it's a very fair point. It's a very fair point. It's what it's where we are. I'm sorry, mate. It's where we are. It's like it or not, we're in a beanbag generation. (laughs) 
We've got a message from Victoria. It says, for my son's birthday party, I invited some of his preschool teachers. Because of this, I'm now nicknamed Parched in the mum's WhatsApp group. Yeah. <laughs> Parched in the mum's WhatsApp. Parched. Do you get oh. parents like that, right, in the school playground and everything? They are a bit parched. Oh, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. The word in the teacher's ear. There's, big more, Christmas. there's more parching that goes on in the school playground mm. than, than any football club. I agree. <laughs> it's unreal, the part. It's unashamedly parching everywhere. Every school class, in every school, I'm, I'm, if, if you have a child at a school right now, you'll know who the parched is in your yeah, class. Yeah. You'll know who the, par- the parched parent is. Oh, my God. Some of them are, honestly. And it's like the presents and all that, you know, like Christmas, and they get bigger and bigger. And, oh, this, you know, the, the voice in the ear, the class rep. Proper parched. Don't mind children being parched because they're there to learn, you know, and they should be enthusiastic. It's the it's the parent parching that, that kills me. Still don't you know? too parched as a kid, though, do you? Really? I don't think we should discourage kids yeah, from talking well, to their I teachers. All that learning, but <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, I suppose. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Before we go, Chris, another time to offer a little space in our little podcast for a listener, great to try and sell something. Love this. Yeah, we love this, don't we, Crouchy? It's great because there's adverts on this podcast, so it makes sense that we can get one of you guys on, come advertise something, raise a ruddock on the last podcast as well. Intrigued to see what what was going to be on today. Here we go. Hi, lads. It's David from That Rub Guy. No, it's not a hand job advert. It's the best barbecue seasoning out there. Whether it's a kick of the Caribbean or a pinch of peri-peri, That Rub Guy is your guy for the best barbecue. Authentic, small batch, barbecue seasoning, guaranteed to force your flavour to the next level. Find me on Etsy or Instagram, at thatrubguy. That's it. Cheers, lads. And listeners, don't forget, pass the pod. Right. The only part of that message that I understood was pass the pod at yeah. the end. So no, this, this is, is your, I'm, all, I'm all over this. This is your mate. field, Chris. Yeah, I I, am, I'll let you work away on this. I'm very excited with the rub guy. Um, as you know, I'm so into my barbecue in... I'll spend whole days, you know, the night before, I'll be up rubbing my meat until sort of mm. like 12, 1 in the morning, mm. let that marinade overnight and then get up nice and early to just sort of go low and slow for a full day. <laughs> um, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I really want to get you into it, mate. I absolutely love it. I think you will Sounds too. Sounds pornographic. I nearly bought you a barbecue. True. I nearly bought you a barbecue because I don't think you're the kind of guy that would do it. My impression of you is sort of sunglasses, yacht, like you're too, <laughs> you're too fast living. Like it's, I like a barbecue. Yeah, yeah but you'll be a gas but guy, won't I'm not, you? Yeah, I'm not doing it properly. Like I've had people around my house go and like look down on me yeah. for having a gas barbecue. Why? Why is no, that? Why are you so should, snobby about it? I don't it? think it should ever be an arrogance or anything. There like is that, a bit of an arrogance. I can, I can, I can sense it with you. No, there isn't. No, I'm just excited for you because I'd just like you to give it a go and. It's a bit like it's almost like fishing. It's good for the mind. Just give it a bit of time, you know. I you do get it. I like, get it. I'm, I'm opening my eyes. You'd be to stuff so now. proud of it if you got into it. I genuinely think that. What is the difference between me just cooking on a gas barbecue to what you do? I'll get you a nice kettle barbecue, like a nice sort of charcoal ceramic. I'll get you an egg, and uh, what is the difference? Well, the, like, so well, the difference is coal so, in it. Yeah, obviously you're cooking on coal. Yeah, but these things moderate the temperature so much. And then what we'll do is we'll just we'll spend the day together having beers. You know, we could be up all night rubbing meat. Like, like it's just I want really want you to embrace the sort of 
uh, sport of it, if you will. It's low and slow. What I mean by that is low temperature, slow, you, you, you know. It's How slow of, are we talking? Like, well, you, could be, you, you're talking about like, like 24 hours and Beef stuff. brisket, we could be a couple of days if you wanted to. days. <laughs> How is that even safe to leave something cooking? Yeah, but then, you, then, days? Uh, then you get into meat thermometers and things like that. You know, I've got a thermometer. Someone bought me a meat thermometer. Best. Uh, they always say like, what one thing would you take on a desert island meat thermometer for me? Really? I genuinely think like if we could get this sponsored by a barbecue company, I'd be absolutely fucking buzzing. I really would because it's so fun. But maybe we've just got to spend a day. Maybe we do. Maybe we just do this one day. I don't know if it may, it's yeah, not really yeah. a podcast in it, I don't think, but it's like, well, maybe, maybe we still a whole day, I don't you know, know. If there are other barbecue c- out there, um, get, I don't get think in touch. <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think that's fair for people who barbecue crouching. And also, you're going to do, don't tar as like cyclists like you did with that because it's like, calling me a barbecue on this is not. It's not really acceptable, is it? It was funny, though. I know, and the problem is with this, like, we're at such a stage with this podcast now where all I get is, I was at um, that Pub in the Park festival recently, and all you get the whole time, pancake, pancake. <laughs> if I now start getting in front of my children, barbecue, <laughs> it's going to cause me all sorts of difficulties. Well, I'll attract that. If you enjoy barbecue, please get in touch. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. And anyway, big up the rub guy. Every pod, we're going to be checking in on uh, Chris's progress as he looks to become the best version of himself, thanks to Peloton. They've got world-class instructors to help motivate you to get moving. We're still unsure of how we're going to measure your improvement, but the most important thing is you're feeling good. How are you uh, moving at the minute, Chris? Yeah, good. Moving well. Moving well? Um, I do like, I know I talk about the instructors a lot. There's a lot well, there's to loads choose on there. from. There's I've, I've, honestly, over 50, I've, I I've gone through quite a few this week. One thing I do really like about it, I think there's loads of... Um, you, you can sort of choose the music for whatever mood you're in into. I, I've been hitting up a lot of 90s recently. Is, does that get you going? Like, Yeah. It's quite good because they tend to like vary up. So if you choose a decade, it will be like an assortment of songs, like some slow, some fast. So in the fast bits where they're really telling you to, you know, get your, get your legs up, it's pumping a bit, bit more, you know. Mm. Warming down, you're into semi-sonic, secret smile, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. But fascinating as well because... You don't really respect fitness instructors as DJs, do you? But they're curating a good thing of music there, and it's. Um, what about if you're yeah. in like a bit? You've woken up. You don't really fancy getting on the bike today. What'd you go with? It's still nineties. Well, you... I, th- I thought of you. I, I've been doing a few of these EDM ones because I think you are a bit of a kind of. Unless I've mischaracterized yeah, no, you. Hundred percent EDM techno. Yeah. yeah, that's the type of thing it gets you going, doesn't it? And uh, that's quite good because that's quite full on. What have you done this week, then, Chris? Done a few this week, Crouchy, a few of the different ones. I particularly enjoyed uh, John's Music Walk nice. on the app. That was good. Um, does make me realise how much I need music, though, to, to motivate me. You do, don't you? It's weird, like, I've done it a few times where you just don't... It's silence. And it is, it's harder, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think of the dressing room that you've been in. Music plays an important part to it, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, I often find like a lot of, lot of footballers nowadays, like they walk around with their own music on. I'm not, not really a fan of that because no one's really talking. I know everyone's in the zone, but that's crept in quite a bit now. Um, but then having said that, like you, how are you going to cater for people of all different nationalities, yeah. different backgrounds and like with one tune on? Yeah. 
we've spoken about a, a few different classes. Um, have the recent ones helped you? Yeah, they've been good. I did my first live class as well. So what's what's quite good about it is even though the classes are done before, people are also taking part in them in real time and you can see all this on your screen. Mm. But occasionally, if you get the timing right or you schedule it on the app, you can go and do a live class. And I thought I'd do a live one of Ben, you know, the Peloton instructor Mm. who was on the podcast. It was awesome. I did that and halfway through got a shout out. Beautiful. And passed the pod halfway through that. Passed the pod? Was there a passed the pod shout on there? He does. You know, we sort of took the piss out of him a little bit for putting on a voice when he does mm. the Peloton thing, like a bit like what pilots do. He does do that. Does He's it, like, yeah. I just got to give a special shout out. That's oh, <laughs> one of those voices. <laughs> yeah. And it's all effortless. I'm there blowing out my hole yeah. and he's there effortless <laughs> passing off the pod. You know, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. We need more of that. We always say people need to yeah. pass the pod. It's great to see a Peloton instructor doing the same. And then that lives on because obviously that class then, people can access it for days or weeks or months afterwards and take part. So every now and then I get something on social media from someone who's seen the shout out in the class. Nice. It's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fair play to Ben for doing his bit there. But yeah, I've been taking part in a few of the classes there. Let me have a quick look. I can go on the app. I can tell you what, um, what I've been up to. But you'll see I've been doing a few. The blue dots are the yeah, workouts. Play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you know... You've had a go. Yeah, weekend was quiet, you'll notice. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Three-day streak at one point. Three-day streak? We're on a streak there. You'll see 30-minute 2000s walk, John Hoskin. You're going to have to tell me about that. It's, <laughs> it's a fast walk. <laughs> And at, at times to trot. You don't walk for fitness, do you? Unless, unless, <laughs> yes, you do. You do. No, this is it's a whole new world, this, mate. Well, you walk yeah. if you're a young, strapping lad. I did a 30-minute walk with John Hoskin to the sounds of 2000s. You might as well have gone for a walk with Bob Hoskin. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Were you uh, sore after the walk? I was, actually. Right. Walking is... Walking's weirdly more difficult. I would argue more more challenging than a run. I think with a run, you can sort of coast it out, whereas a fast walk is is intense on the shins. Do you know what I want to do this way? I want to do one of them. I don't know how many people listen to this have got a Peloton at the moment, but go do like a really random one, report back like a Beyonce. You can do one where it's all Beyonce themed, Lizzo, you know. I really want to give that a go this week, I think. <laughs> I, I swear I've done one that was... Yeah. Beyonce, it flipped to a Beyonce track and it was the single lady dance. Yeah, oh yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Yes, you're on the, the bike and you're doing, like, safely, of course, but you're doing the hand in front of the face, you know, like you do at weddings when it's on. <laughs> Always. I saw a Muse one on there, Crowd, you'd really? like that, yeah, I think, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Love today's episode, lads. An absolute banger. Well then, Crouchy, another week closer to Crouch Fest. Still don't think we've really sorted too much with it. Uh, you know it'll be good. I, I know it's going to be good. I don't, also don't want to do this false, like, oh, we're not... We are all putting in hours away from this and calling in favours. It would just be nice when it's I'll all on... i some good people this yeah. week. Really good. Yeah, same. I think what we need to do is regroup and just get it all down on one page. And like, I think there's a lot of ideas at the moment. But also, just trust us. We did it with the first Crouch Fest. It's Crouch Fest 2, this one. But trust us, the first one, no one really knew what we were up to until they turned up and it was worth it. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. Keep the ideas coming through on the website. If you want to get in touch or questions for Peter, go to thatpetercrouchpodcast.com. And of course, we're going to be back stronger next week. Chumbawamba. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.